0: This is Ann Arbor Stories. I'm Rich Reddy. Streaking. The act of stripping off one's clothes and running naked through a public place. On a dare. As a form of protest. Or because everyone else is doing it. Streaking was a common enough thing in the mid-1800s for Robert E. Lee yes, that Robert E. Lee, to sanction streaking on the campus of Washington College in Lexington, Virginia. Lee served as president at Washington College and saw streaking as a male rite of passage. For that decision, probably no other reason, they eventually renamed Washington College Washington and Lee University. And Robert E. Lee went down in history as the first vocal proponent of running naked in public and is probably not known for any other historical thing. Streaking roared back from Antebellum, Virginia to the 1970s and was so pervasive in the U.S. that in 1973, Time Magazine wrote about it. That was the same year the term streaking was coined. Before then, it was just called running around outside with your bits flopping about. Streaking randomly popped up on college campuses across the country in 1973 from zero to naked like pow. More than 500 people streaked in a massive nude run on the campus of the University of Maryland that fall. Notre Dame, Texas, Stephen F. Austin, they all experienced outbreaks of young streakers. Momentum built into the winter term of 1974, and the media fanned the flames. Suddenly, streakers were all over the place. The University of Michigan wasn't immune to nude peer pressure despite the winter frost. But Michigan's co-eds couldn't copy what other colleges were doing. Random acts of streaking? No, 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 that wouldn't do. So two competing groups of students organized a pair of streaking events that would both take place on Tuesday, March 12th, 1974, the second day back from spring break. Posters went up, word spread, and on a gray Tuesday afternoon, the first annual Ann Arbor Streak in took place. More than a thousand looky-loos gathered at 1 p.m. at the starting point outside notorious hippie cafe Eden Foods on Maynard. Five streakers bravely showed up, bearing all in broad daylight and freezing cold. The plan was to run through Nichols Arcade and down to the Diag, short and sweet. The streakers, three men and two women, didn't fare well. Two dropped out before they hit the Diag, The fate of the other three went unrecorded. Though the first run was a bust, expectations were high for that evening's first annual Lucky Streak, which started on the Diag and whose course wound its way through south and west quads and back. This event brought out 70 streakers. And a lot more looky-loos. 10,000 by most estimates. Mass chaos disrupted the planned start. Streakers sort of sped off, running towards the undergraduate library, where they broke off in all directions. Likely a case of cold feet, and… you get it. The country was on high alert for streakers. The next month at the Oscars, a streaker rushed across the stage, interrupting a delightful monologue from David Niven. And then… that was about it. That was the high watermark for streaking in the U.S. Maybe everywhere. There was no second annual streaking at Michigan, No second annual lucky streak. Everyone put their clothes back on like decent folks or ran tastefully in short shorts and tank tops like normal people. Time passed. Loins cooled. Then a dozen years later, something weird happened. Streaking came back to the University of Michigan. In 1986, a dozen or so student athletes on the University of Michigan men's and women's track and rowing teams decided to streak through campus to celebrate the final day of class. They started on Washtenaw, ran west down South University, cut through the Diag, and ended their jaunt at Regent's Plaza and the Cube, just outside the administration building near the Michigan Union. Nobody paid any attention. There were no arrests, no stories in the Michigan Daily, just good, clean, naked fun. They did it again the next year and the next. In 1989, members of the Michigan men's lacrosse team joined, running in helmets and gloves, carrying their sticks. By the following year, the now annual event had built a little steam. Because we can't have nice things or naked things, everything changed in the mid-90s. More students caught wind of what was now commonly known as the Naked Mile. More people decided to participate, which wasn't the problem. The problem was that more and more people decided to watch. 1999 was when things got out of control. Growing numbers of women streaked and word spread. This wasn't a sausage party anymore. Guys will go to great lengths, literally and figuratively, to see a naked lady in the wild, especially for free. This was the height of the Girls Gone Wild craze, with everyone tantalized and encouraged to see what the girl next door looks like with her shirt off. 10,000 spectators packed campus for the 1999 Naked Mile. Local media covered it. National media covered it. Mostly men drove from all points to watch the action. And they weren't disappointed. Around 300 of the thousand or so runners were women. Not all naked, but most. Police warned anyone who would listen that the route would be packed with cameras and camcorders, packed with groping hands and the risk of something going really bad. The internet, though not super sophisticated, did exist. Photos and video could be viewed. The police warned streakers, but no one was listening. The cops took a hands-off approach and just let them run. Some streakers arrived naked, ready to run. Some stripped at the starting point. Savvy runners left their clothes in their car so nothing would be missing when they returned from their trot. With no clear signal, they just started running, a thousand strong. Down South University, cutting through the Diag, crowds packing in. Shouting, laughing, whistling, swearing, pressing in along the narrowing route. 10,000 people is a lot of people. The Michigan rugby, rowing, track and field, and lacrosse teams kicked out ahead. They had the fitness to make this a naked sprint. But the leisure streakers brought up the rear, where the crowds pushed in closer. Cameras flashing, video cameras buzzing. By the time many of the streakers reached the halfway point, the run had become more of a walk. Crowds packed in too tight, people pushing people pushing people to get a better view. Frame the action properly on their camcorder for later. A number of women later reported being harassed and either fought through or tried to flee back from where they came. It was a cluster. Coverage of the event was predictably unflattering for the University of Michigan and Ann Arbor. What was a small and stupid end-of-the-year tradition, mutated into something ugly and awful. The 2000 Naked Mile arrived way too quickly for Ann Arbor and the University of Michigan administration's tastes. U of M launched an intense campaign to discourage runners from participating in the first Naked Mile of the millennium. They printed flyers listing 10 reasons not to run the Naked Mile. One. The Naked Mile is not sponsored or endorsed by the University of Michigan or Ann Arbor. Seven, you might get hit by a car. Ten, photos and video could bring embarrassment to participants and their families. The rowing, track and field, and lacrosse teams publicly boycotted the 2000 Naked Mile, but interest remained. People from outside the University of Michigan and Ann Arbor rallied to show up in Ann Arbor to run. Websites dedicated to the Naked Mile were built months in advance and featured pictures and video from past Naked Miles, promising even more in 2000. The tone of the Naked Mile had changed. Thousands showed up to watch, but just before midnight, only 400 runners streaked. Mostly male, many running half-naked or wearing masks. The U of M anti-Naked Mile campaign continued in 2001, behind the slogan, the naked truth about the Naked Mile. Ann Arbor and campus police finally vowed to get involved. The same company that live streamed a Madonna concert from London signed on to broadcast the 2001 Naked Mile live on the internet. It's going to be really cool, said a company spokesman. Helicopters and even a blimp showed up in 2001 to broadcast naked college kids running in the buff. Only a few dozen were brave enough to face the glare of the cameras and an insanely amped-up crowd. Some drunk, many cheering and screaming, some cracking bullwhips on the route. Everybody had a camera. Police officers attempted to physically restrain runners. Four were arrested for indecent exposure, and four others were charged after the fact. A Troy resident, who drove to Ann Arbor for the Naked Mile, told an interviewer he came to Ann Arbor to, quote, See naked chicks, end quote. He called the 2001 run pretty lame, said he looked forward to watching the footage he recorded and planned to make copies for his friends. The next year, 2002, almost everyone who participated, which was a few dozen at most, ran in underwear. By 2004, there were so few runners that they coordinated to run a night earlier than advertised, streaking through town on a completely different route. They drew the interest of almost no one. 13 naked runners, two clothed bicyclists, one unclothed bicyclist. The 2002 nakedish mile. Mercifully, the history of the naked mile ends there. Sure, there may have been a few pockets of nude sprinters in the mid 2000s that we haven't heard about, but streaking and the naked mile ebbed just as the internet and social media exploded. Michigan will always have its flesh-colored past. When co-eds brave cold, cameras, classmates, and dinguses from Troy. When co-eds streak through campus to celebrate the end of the school year like big dumb animals. Running naked through campus for an entire mile. Hoping the whole time that pranksters hadn't walked off with their pants at the starting line. Ann Arbor Stories is presented by Rumble Pack Media in partnership with the Ann Arbor District Library. This episode was written and read by me, Rich Reddy, recording and sound production by Brian Peters. Thanks, as always, to the Ann Arbor District Library, and in particular, the amazing members of the Archive staff for helping with this episode. Please follow us on Twitter at Ann Arbor Stories or drop us a line at Ann Stories at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you thought of this or any of our previous episodes. Thanks again for listening. Have a great run.